0: Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customize interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. What if investing in each other could change the world. I'm Joel Skeen with bizradio.us, and this is The Mindful Marketplace. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I don't know if you're listening to this in the middle of the night, (laughs) whatever works for you. Uh, My name is Joel Skeen. Welcome back to The Mindful Marketplace here on Biz Radio US. Very happy to have you here. I'm excited about today's conversation. We have on a local uh, entrepreneur. She owns one of my favorite stores, in the Western North Carolina region. Um, She is an entrepreneur. She is, dare I say, an influencer. um, And uh, really excited to get to talk to Gilly Roberts about where, about doing sustainable business and about her journey as an entrepreneur here um, in the Asheville area. Before we get into that though, I do have a couple. Um, We are, by the time this airs, we will have actually already completed two of our new event series that we are hosting, but today's kind of a special day for me personally, because this evening that we're recording on Tuesday, the 14th of March, is the very first community financial education course. Um, And what I'm excited about is that we have turned this into a monthly event. So the purpose of this event, if you haven't been to one yet, or you don't know about it, is really to educate. Um, There's a lot of things when it comes to finances, when it comes to budgeting, taxes, investing, debt. Um, you know, assets, liabilities, all these things that are really important for an individual family and also for business owners, startup businesses, small businesses to really understand. Um, There's not a great education around it. You know, there's a lot of things that they really should have taught us in school that they did not. When I recently had on Jeff um, Kaplan from Venture Asheville, he said that one of the biggest reasons that small businesses and startups have to get turned away from funding is that they just don't have a good handle on their books they don't really have the books in order and the it becomes difficult for a funder to want to be able to give them the funding they need to grow their business and so we're offering this as a free as long as we can um, until it gets so full that we may have to but for right now we are offering this as a free educational course once a month where myself as well as a few other financial professionals we'll be doing education around various topics. So at the first one, um, we talked about things like, um, you know, strategies for local investing, on, on strategies for eliminating debt, on, um, on how to budget properly. Most people budget backwards, according to Justin Schaefer. And on the lessons learned of, of the financial lessons learned by entrepreneurs, by uh, Alex Cardona, host of The Golden Key here on Biz Radio. So we're doing this monthly. It is in-person and virtual options. And to get connected to that and to get registered for the next one, please go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com and click on the events tab. Um, on, on my website too there, you can also listen to all of the back episodes of tons of really great guests that we've had on. And I always encourage everybody to go to Biz Radio US to listen to all the other hosts that we have on this um, on this program, on this station that we're, I'm very grateful to get to be a part of. So yeah, check out the community financial education courses, check out the back episodes, and always subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever your favorite platform is, um, and give us a like or a review. The subscriptions really help us out more than anything and help us continue to share the messages and the stories of people out there really doing good work in the world of whether it's social entrepreneurship, whether it's sustainable business, whether it's impact investing, sustainable investing, my whole goal of this show is really to lift up the voices of people who are using their businesses and using their dollars for good for the future. Because as we say, your dollar really is your vote. And if you're out there voting with your dollars and you're doing some shopping, I would highly recommend you do you place that vote with uh, where at the shop owned by our guest here, Gilly Roberts. Um, we're going to get into why um, I think she is doing something really special here in town. Um, but first, Gilly, welcome to the show. Please uh, please uh, welcome, introduce yourself here. Uh, very happy to have you on.
1: Hey, Joel. Thanks for having me. I am stoked to be here with you. Uh, my name yeah. is, is Gilly Roberts, and um, where is my brainchild, I suppose?
0: <laughs> well, it's uh, it, it definitely um, it, it definitely is a child that is growing up um, and going through the growing pains. I'm sure, but um, from the outside at least, looks like it's a you, you've done a good job as a as a business parent here. <laughs> um, so you uh, you told me before we jumped on here that you're you're one of the few uh, people in, in Western North Carolina that are actually a local uh, a native uh, to the area, uh, which is becoming a little less common uh, as the decades go on. But um, yeah, tell us a little bit about kind of your background and where you came from and how you um, kind of brought you up to the point where you decided to start your own business.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, For the sake of full transparency, I would be a local, not a native. I was born in Connecticut, but moved moved (laughs) pretty hard at the age of three. Um, Some people care about that, others don't. But um, I always say when when folks, because I used to always say I was from Asheville and and in, in the past few years, people have been like, "Well, oh, you know, you're from you're from Brevard." And I always say, as soon as Asheville stops using Brevard's waterfalls for marketing, I'll say I'm from Brevard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I uh, very much from Western North Carolina, raised in Brevard, went to Appalachian State University in Boone, studied sustainable development, um, largely at a with a community economic spin, and so I went in with. I you know, pursued a career in nonprofit work after that, was in D.C., found that I really liked paying rent, so I found myself in the government consulting world pretty quickly, uh, and then was still on the board of a nonprofit that's efforts were based in Nairobi, and we were going to launch a big program, and um, so I quit my job in D.C. and packed everything up, I did a little bit of traveling between, and I was about to head to Nairobi and got a call from the folks on the ground that said it, would, that it was, um, the political instability was escalating and that I shouldn't come. And so that kind of derailed things, but I happened to be in that moment with a friend who was like kind of the best and worst person to be around in those kind of junctures in life. Mm-hmm. Um because he's just sitting there poking you going okay what's the next step you're not doing the things you want to be doing so how do you this is an opportunity this is not a setback what do you want to do um and my interest has always been in how um I actually am not much of a fan of retail in terms of the like mechanics of it it uh just isn't my like passion um not that I'm not a fan is not quite the right way to put it but it's not that's not where my heart is um I am really interested in the way that the production and creation of goods and materials affects communities and the way the actual goods and materials affect the lives of the people that end up having them. And so that's, from that perspective, and a lot of people would call that a supply chain, um, and they wouldn't be wrong. (laughs) Uh, So from that interest, retail seemed like The space where I had the least, where the consumer interacts with the presentation of those goods in the marketplace for the first time is the place that I had the least, um, I wouldn't say I had the least knowledge because I didn't have a a ton of knowledge about any of it, but it was the place that was the, quote unquote, easiest to get into from where I was at that point in my life. Mm. I would not say it it was easy looking back on it now, but it made (laughs) sense and uh, was the most approachable, maybe is the word. Um, and so that's kind of how where was was born as a really long winded and really expensive R and D project.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and I so I am curious about this. I don't meet a lot of other people who have this same sort of trajectory as I do, um, and so I kind of want to ask you because I also came from. I originally started in the nonprofit world, um, oh. you know, in the housing and um, food f- uh, food security, food access, um, mm-hmm. all of that that type of work and i also at some point decided to make the decision to transition away from nonprofits into business i was talking to someone else about this and they were like i feel like it usually happens the other way around people are in business for a long time and then they you know decide that they they want to pursue a a passion and a a a project of contribution more so than of um you know a building wealth or of you know kind of of more self-serving and You know, I I guess it was just interesting when he said that, because I hadn't really thought about how that is more of a unique journey to go from the world of nonprofits into the world of owning a business. Um, What was it for you that, you know, really made you feel like that was the path forward for your journey?
1: I think I was looking mostly at the ability to scale my, like, individual impact, um, through whatever action I was taking. And so in the world of nonprofit, I was always working in fundraising kinds of things. And I was at the point where it was like, okay, if I'm writing a grant proposal that gains this organization $40,000, X amount of it goes into admin. And I I don't, I do, I'm also someone who firmly believes that people working in the nonprofit sector should um, be paid real competitive wages. And that's how you get qualified people in the positions. But I also believe strongly that in a world in which businesses and governments were doing what they're supposed to be doing for the people that they serve, nonprofits would not be necessary. And there are very few exceptions to that in my, in my book. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think coming to that conclusion made me, made me realize that like, personally, my impact could be so much greater if I am in a, in a place where I'm exchanging directly with the people who I'm, I'm eager to support, right? So, like, if I want to make sure that there are a certain kind of job available in Western North Carolina, um, it's well within my power to directly support that effort from a commerce perspective than it is from a nonprofit perspective. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more of an indirect route from point A to point B if I'm doing it through the vehicle of nonprofits. But if I'm doing it through the vehicle of, for example, where my business, all I have to do is buy an order of products from the person making them.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And that's, I, I absolutely love that. I, I, you know, what you just said there is something I, I think intuitively makes a lot of sense. I don't know if I've ever quite heard it articulated that way, where if business and governments are doing what they need to be doing, you know, the need for nonprofits would at least diminish if, you know, yeah. it maybe disappear entirely. Mm-hmm. Um. So tell us about where, like what, what is where, what do you, sure. what is the shop? What is the business? Um, what do you all do for your, um, for your customers and what makes you um, a unique shop here?
1: Oh yeah. Where is a, um, I call it a sustainable lifestyle store. And uh, that's kind of how I started describing the store when it originally opened and it didn't have refill at the time. Um, and we did carry like apparel and decor and a lot of things that we've we've moved away from at this point, just responding to the needs of the Asheville community. But um, it is now, as it exists in today's iteration, it is a refill shop and low waste living essentials shop. Um, and so we're a pretty small footprint store in Western a- in West Asheville. Uh, but we also exist online, and we do a fair amount of you know a portion of our business is online. Um, but our primary um, our primary goal is to serve the folks of Asheville and not West Asheville. We, we started out downtown and moved to West Asheville because we found that um, West, er, downtown Asheville is one of those areas that is very much a touristic hub. And if you're trying to sell laundry detergent to tourists, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a lot harder of a battle than it is to be in a neighborhood where the locals are doing their regular shopping anyway, and you just happen to be there, which was what motivated the move to to West Asheville away from downtown. Um, yeah, does that leave any gaps?
0: Yeah, no. I think that's a great place to get started. You so you mentioned it being a, a refill shop and a low waste essentials for. I'm sure you know if someone was listening right now, they might be like, I don't know if I've ever been to a refill shop. What do you mean by that?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, good point. I um, get so used to hearing those words that I forget that they're actually just not that common um so in the in the in respect of refill it is effectively you can bring your own container or you can buy one from us or you can refill the original container of the product and show up with your shampoo or your um, laundry detergent or your um, baking soda vessels and just refill them and pay for only the weight of that product um, mm. so we sell product by weight. We specialize specifically in personal care and home care. So like shampoos and conditioners, skincare, dental hygiene stuff, but then like, uh, all purpose cleaners and laundry detergent and things of that nature.
0: Right. So someone could come and bring in their container and mm-hmm. refill on those essential things that they need that normally when they're at a store, they would be buying a new plastic container of, and then, you know either throwing it away or recycling it afterwards.
1: Exactly. And we have, you know, a lot of the products we carry in bulk, we also carry in their original packaging. So for folks who are really tied to, like, having the original information of the product on the container, that's an option. Um, We also keep a jar exchange, is what we call it, where the community can bring in glass containers and then we sanitize them and make them available for whomever comes next and so or whoever comes next um and but in addition to the refill portion of it the bulk products we carry a lot of other what what i you know call sustainable essentials and that's like your you know reusable alternatives to ziploc bags and um your so that you know in that case maybe like silicone stasher bags or wooden dish brushes um that don't have any plastic involved or um, we've got plastic free like toothbrushes and electric toothbrush heads and menstrual discs and cups and um, razors that are, you know, use the straight the safety razors. Um, and in a lot of cases, we also accept like with razors and containers from any of our skincare and hair care and personal care products that we don't have a refill option for yet. Um, we offer recycling for those containers. We try to offer recycling for anything any packaging that we send out the door. So we offer, we'll take back the compostable packaging of things um, like our, like some of our stuff comes in like cardboard tubes that can be composted, but only if you have a commercial compost service. And so we subscribe to that on behalf of our customers so they can bring it back.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, you know, we learned the lessons in school, you know, the three Rs, you know, Um, reduce, (laughs) reuse and recycle, right? it does seem like, and I know recently I've heard more and more chatter just around from you know different people and online that you know recycling, you know while it is a you know there are some good benefits to it, there are also you know it's not necessarily the um, you know the golden ticket uh, to you know creating a you know to getting rid of pollution to getting rid of waste, um, and it does seem like there's been a complete I don't know complete lack, but definitely a diminished. Um, emphasis on the first two Rs, which really should have come first, right, which is the reduce and the reuse. But that requires changing behavior in order to do. Normally, when we think about changing that behavior, we really just put that um, emphasis on the consumer. It's like, well, you need to reduce and reuse. But as I'm thinking through your supply chain process and how customers are interacting with your store, most places, there's not really a way to reduce or reuse on some of these materials and i think it's really cool that you're providing that i'm wondering if you have anything else to add to that or any insight on that
1: yeah um the the metaphor analogy that a lot of folks use is um you don't start you know if your faucet is running and it's overflowing the bathtub you don't start by cleaning up the water you start by turning off the faucet um and so that's kind of how i look at the the em- where you put the emphasis on reduce reuse or recycle um the recycle being cleaning up mopping up the overflow of the bathtub uh reduce being turning off the faucet <laughs> reuse maybe being draining the tub um so
0: yeah i think uh, that works you got all three yeah <laughs> you go. they're all in there um
1: i'll take a metaphor challenge any day um <laughs> And so I think, you know, I don't – something I, I try not to be too pushy about because I understand more than, more than most the complexity of supply chains and what's available at various scales to different businesses is taking on the responsibility of the waste every business sends out the door, whether it's a coffee shop that sends – that gives out single-use – cups whether it's a grocery store that sends away everything under the sun and in various forms of packaging um that's something that you know if it's not something i have a a lot of individual impacts to change at a systemic level that i was able to build into the functions of my own business um, and Something that I think like once, once customers see it in action, and what it looks like, that makes them better equipped to go talk to the other businesses and people in their lives of influence who can say, okay, but you actually, you actually can take responsibility for everything you send out the door, especially if you're going to make money off of it. You do have a responsibility to um, ensure to the best of your ability that it doesn't become further waste in the system.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, um. I think there's two, you know, I just because we've both been on, you know, we both been on the nonprofit side and on the business side, you know, there's kind of two different ways that I think these sorts of changes can occur on a large scale. And, you know, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this is that one side is that you can change policies, you know, you can change rules, you could, you know, you could ban um, certain materials, you could ban, um, you know, uh, plastic shopping bags or something like that but there is another way to go about that which it sounds like you are really putting your um, your emphasis on which is to you know change norms is just change norms through setting an example that things can be done differently and things can be done more sustainably um, and so you could you know kind of force people to make those changes but another way to go about that is to set an example of a better way to, to do things is that sort of a Uh, I don't know if I want to say a calling or a, but is that, is that a mission for you? Is that something that um, you feel very passionately about is, is setting an example for a better and new, better way, more sustainable way to do business?
1: It is. um, But I wouldn't say that I don't engage on the other side of that too. It's just awareness of the, the timelines with which my actions have impact. And so my, my approach to my approach to those conversations tends to be yes and Mm -hmm. um i do think that you know especially when we get confronted with the idea that corporations are producing it's you know the numbers vary depending who's saying them and what source they're using but 70 percent of of um waste material on the planet um and so why why spend so much energy and effort into um working with consumers when that it doesn't have as potent of an impact to some by some measures. And my response is typically like yeah, we need to be working on legislation changes so that corporations are, are required to be responsible for not talking about retailers being required to be responsible for the product they send out the door, but a step above that anyone who's producing product is responsible for the waste they create around that product whether it's you know sc johnson and a windex bottle or um agricultural produce or fashion industry packaging whatever it is um the step before both stages but the step before retail there should also be a level of of responsibility for the the materials that go out the door and i'm kind of personally chipping away at that middle level that retail level between production and consumer but um, it's not without, like, we, sp- we spend a lot of energy and effort on the WHERE um, platform to educate folks on how they can personally, whether it's reaching out to congressmen about different um, bills and goings-on at the governmental level that they can get engaged with or the significance of being involved at a municipal level and how much more impact we can all have if we're more engaged um, more civ- more civically engaged at municipal level in terms of waste reduction and legislation that is just going to be more accessible um, mm-hmm. to every individual. Because you're talking to people you are probably, depending on the size of your town or city, one to six degrees of separation from knowing personally rather than um, people living in and functioning in different parts of the country on behalf of you and a much, much larger body of people. So, yeah, like long winded about
0: I, it. No, yes, I, I, I think yes and is 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 <laughs> definitely the, the the right response to a lot of these issues. So, um, I um, we're gonna continue this conversation in part two. Please okay. tune in next week. Um, I'm really looking forward to digging in deeper with you. I'm enjoying the conversation a lot so far, Gilly. Please listen on BizRadio.us and the Mindful And everyone out there, take care of yourselves and take care of someone else.